sermon series entitled, I Need a Miracle. How many of you could use a miracle today? Are you with me? Could you use one? In fact, this sermon today is entitled, When Life Runs Out. And my series is based on a song, Third Day Sings, I Need a Miracle. And Mac Powell tells the story of this young man whose life literally ran out and he was contemplating suicide. He turned on the radio and he heard another third day song, Call Out to Jesus. And uh, friend, that's all you have to do. Just cry out to Jesus today and I guarantee you he will hear your prayer, he will answer it, and he has a miracle for you. A miracle is a supernatural event. God doing something in your life that you can't do for yourself. And I know I've been there, man. I've been there at times and places in my life where I couldn't fix the problem. Or maybe the problem was me and I couldn't fix me. And I needed help. I needed direction that no other human resource could give me. And I found the answer through a miracle from God. I cried out to Jesus and he showed me the path. He delivered me. God has performed many miracles in my life. I guarantee you, if you will look to him today, he will do something special for you as well. We're going to look at John chapter 2 today. In fact, over the next several weeks, as we look at I Need a Miracle, we will examine some of the miracles that Jesus performed in the Gospel of John. And this is the very first miracle, public miracle, that Jesus did. And John recorded it for us in chapter 2, verse 1. It's when Jesus turned the water into wine. And let me just stop right now and do a real quick parenthesis. I did it for the first service. Uh, uh, I'm not going to talk about the wine issue. Uh, Let me tell you, I don't drink, never have drunk. I can't think of anything that good comes from drinking. In fact, we as Free Will Baptists have a church covenant that says we will abstain from the use and sale of all intoxicating beverages. And I encourage you to do that because uh, wine, whiskey, beer, all of it, it, it's not good for you. It deteriorates your health and it will lead you down a wrong road, right? Is that good? That's right, man. So stay away from it. However, this, this is Jesus turning water into wine. So let's just examine it and we'll go on from there. It says in verse 1, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And as I said in the first service, I guess if anything could drive you to drinking, it would be a wedding. So uh, anyway, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, there's a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Dear woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. And we're going to come back to that, but one of my favorite verses in the Bible is right there. Whatever he says to you, just do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty to thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. 
but you have kept the good wine until now. You've saved the best for last, in other words. This beginning of miraculous signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Heavenly Father, I pray that after examining this passage today, we would believe in you as well. And we would look to you for a miracle when life runs out. I love you, Lord, and I pray a blessing on this time together in your word, in Jesus' name. So here we go. You ready? All right. First thing I want you to notice is that John doesn't just call this a miracle. He calls it a miraculous sign. Now, why would he do that? Well, these miracles were intended to point other people to Jesus Christ as the Lord of creation. That Jesus had the power to change water into wine. Hey, wake up, church. Jesus has the power to change water into wine. Jesus has the power to turn sickness into health. He has the power to turn stormy seas into calm seas. He even has the power to turn death into life. Wow. And John recorded these miracles for the same reason Jesus performed these miracles. That is to draw people in to the power and the person of Jesus. They were all pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the problem solver. These miracles point us to Jesus who can solve the problems that we have in our life. Well, let's get to this very first miracle that is recorded in the Word of God that Jesus performed. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. So here's the wedding. That's the event. A wedding in Jesus' day, much like weddings in our day, was a grand family and community occasion. A huge social gathering that involved most of the people in the village or the town. Now, we're not told why Jesus and his disciples were there. We just know that they were invited and they showed up. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was very involved in this wedding, possibly indicating that it was the wedding of a family member or perhaps a close friend. But the point we need to notice is who was there. Jesus was there. All right? Jesus makes all the difference. Uh, that just is, man, that just throws it. You need to invite Jesus to your wedding. He needs to be a part of your wedding, doesn't he? Now, in biblical times, on the night of the wedding ceremony, the groom and his friends would go to the bride's house and they would escort the bride and all of her attendants in a grand parade to the groom's house for the ceremony. Usually they would take the long way around through the village and people would come out and celebrate with them. Uh, this party that they had would usually last about a week. It was one of the happiest times in the life of the whole family and community. But something happens at this wedding that mars the happiness of the occasion. And it's recorded for us in verse 3. And when they ran out of wine, they ran out of wine. Now, having done hundreds of weddings myself, I have seen just about everything happen that can happen at a wedding. Uh, I've, I've conducted a ceremony where the groom didn't show up. I mean, he was 15 minutes late, and uh, when he got there, it looked like he didn't want to be there. Huh? You know, 
I have seen the groom faint. I have seen the bride faint. I have seen the preacher faint. Uh, so I've seen the ring bearer refuse to bear the ring down the aisle. I've had power outages that cut the wedding short. There has never been a perfect wedding. In fact, I used to always say if anything can go wrong, (laughs) it will go wrong at a wedding. Well, something does go terribly wrong at this wedding that mars the happiness of the occasion. But then that disaster itself becomes a platform For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to display His supernatural power so that others could believe in Him. So Jesus turned a mess into a miracle. That makes me stop and ask, have you ever stopped to think about the fact that, that God may have brought disaster into your life because He intends to use that disaster in your life as a platform from which He will display and manifest His glory and His power? It's the way our God works, man. He intends to use the messes in our life to perform miracles for us. Just think about this. The thing that made this wedding, this marriage memorable was not that everything was peaceful and hunky-dory and and went off just like that. The reason it's recorded for us in Scripture is because there was a problem. Something went wrong. But Jesus was there and he fixed the problem. So the question is, how do we go about clearing the way For Jesus to perform the miracle in our life that we need. Well, four things we need to do. Number one, first of all, we need to admit there's a problem. We need to admit there is a problem. Verse 3, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Literally, the wine ran out. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes to Jesus and reports they have no more wine. Now, we're not told why this failure occurs. Maybe it was poor planning, or maybe more people showed up than was expected. We're not told. But Mary thought, they've got a problem, yes, but it's really no problem. Because Jesus is here. Do you get that? She said, no problem. My son is here. He can take care of it. So she admitted the problem to Jesus. She confessed the need to Jesus. She turned it over to Jesus. Wow. You may think, well, so what's the big deal here? They, they, they ran out of punch. <laughs> big deal. Well, actually, it was a big deal. In, in fact, this has the makings of a very embarrassing situation for the family. In biblical times, it was a disgrace not to be able to provide for the needs of your guests. I mean, just think, if you've ever done a wedding or been the parent of somebody that was having a wedding, you, you know the, the, the embarrassment that can come if you have hundreds of people and all of a sudden the caterer doesn't show up with the cake and nuts and punch. Or as it is today, and I don't know who made this custom the way it is, you've got to provide a complete meal for all the guests. Now let me just stand over here. That is absolutely crazy. Anyway, I'm I'm vomiting stuff out that doesn't need to be vomited out. I understand right now. It would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? If you have all these people come to your wedding and then then you run out of some. On top of that, in biblical times, the presence of wine meant the presence of joy. So literally, 
the joy was in danger of running out. The fact is this, and here's what I want you to hear. Stuff runs out. I mean, stuff runs out. Stuff fails. Romances fail. <laughs> Love fails. So I was just, I was, the reason I was pausing, I was thinking back. I'm so glad some romances do fail. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, but we're not going to go there. Patience fails. Health fails. Careers fail. Happiness fails. And the important thing is that we immediately take our failures to Jesus. But here's the bigger picture. All of us have a huge failure in our life. That failure is called sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you can't save yourself. There's no way you can be good enough or do enough to save yourself. You just can't do it. So the first thing that has to happen to experience the change that God wants to bring into your life is that you admit there's a problem. That's why when we talk about the ABCs of salvation, the very first letter is A. It means admit. You've got to admit there's a problem. Listen, you've got to come to a point in your life where you say, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this. I've tried. I've failed. I've made a mess of it. I need help. You admit your, help, your need for help to the Lord. Well, next, to clear the way for Jesus to do only what Jesus can do is you've got to follow his plan. So you follow Jesus' plan. Really, the presence of Jesus would have gone unnoticed if they had not humbly admitted the problem. And notice, Mary doesn't tell Jesus how to fix the problem. Boy, that's important. She just admitted they had a problem and left it in his hands. Here's what we like to do. We like to draw up plans for how God could fix our problem. We describe to God in detail, Lord, here's the problem, but here's how we want you to fix it. And usually, it's very comfortable and convenient for us. But God doesn't always work that way. Notice how Jesus replied to his mother, verse 4. Jesus said to her, Dear woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, the, the language that Jesus uses here seems a, a bit formal to me. When was the last time you called your mom, Dear woman? And, and, and it even seems a bit callous for Jesus to say, why do you involve me in this? What does this have to do with me? Let me tell you, Jesus was not being disrespectful to his mother. He is not saying, it's not my problem. He's not saying, don't bother me with this. Actually, what Jesus was doing was reminding Mary that while she was still his earthly mother, his life now is being orchestrated by his heavenly Father. He said, my time has not yet come. In other words, he is living his life on his Father's timetable. The timetable that would eventually lead Jesus to his death on the cross for the remission of our sins. 
Jesus followed the Father's plan for his life. Thus, we need to be following Jesus' plan for our life. Now, Mary doesn't argue with Jesus, and that's an important point as well. She simply turned to the servants and said, here's my favorite verse in the Bible, verse 5b, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he tells you to do is what you need to do. And if we are to clear the way for Jesus to do what only Jesus can do, that's what we must do. We need to trust and obey him. Hmm? Just like the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now here's what I know, and please listen to me, dear church. There is somebody here today facing a huge dilemma in their life. Maybe it's you, or you, or most of us. We have a huge dilemma, a great problem. My best counsel that I can give to you is this. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, that's what you need to do. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Whatever he says to do, do it. Things won't change until Jesus is in charge. Now, that is good. Things are not going to change in your life until Jesus is in charge. And it takes a prayer of faith to say, Lord, it's in your hands. However you choose to solve this problem, it's okay with me. I'm just going to do what you tell me to do. John goes on to explain in verses 6 through 8 the, the details. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And so they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And so that is exactly what they did. They drew some out and they took it to the master of the feast. Again, notice how they simply obeyed Jesus. They did what Mary suggested. Whatever Jesus told them to do, that's exactly what they did. And while Jesus is preparing to do the extraordinary, these servants are faithful to go about doing the ordinary things they were told to do. Well, that, that, that just begs me to stop right here and just tell us the same thing and remind us, you know what, we just need to keep doing the right thing. Even when things are falling apart and, 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 and we're, we're unraveling like a cheap sweater, you know, we just need to keep doing the right thing. We just do the right thing over and over and over again, and I guarantee you it will soon pay off. Now, these water jars were not for drinking purposes. Rather, they contained water for two things, for washing, but also for ceremonial purification. You see, when guests came in off of the streets into a house, their feet would be filthy because all they had were dirt roads and they either wore no shoes or sandals and so their feet would get dirty and the feet needed to be washed before they entered into a house. So the job of the household servant would be to use some of this water in these large jars to wash the feet of the guest. But Jews also used this water from these jars for ceremonial washings for the purpose of keeping the law of Moses. Maybe Jesus uses these jars of purification and for washing feet because it would point to the purification from sins that only he could provide. Hmm? Now we all know our greatest need today is not the fact that we've got dirty feet or dirty hands. 
I think most of us are well aware of the fact that our greatest need is that we got dirty hearts. And the only way your dirty heart can be cleansed today is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross replaced all the rituals and all the cleansings that the law required. He is our purification. And so if you need a miracle today, the first thing you need to do is admit the problem. And then you need to follow Jesus' plan. Hmm? To receive your miracle, number three, you need to receive his provision. You accept the provision that he gives. Here's what Jesus does. Somewhere in the midst of the servants obeying the Lord by filling the jars and taking the cup to the master of ceremonies, Jesus did something amazing. He changed this water into wine, and he did it just like that. Just like that. That's how quickly Jesus can change something. Just like that. That is how quickly Jesus can change your life. Even today. Look at verses 9 and 10. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom. He said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine first, and then the guests, after they have well drunk, then the inferior. But you have kept the good wine until you've kept the best for last. The MC is impressed. Very impressive. In fact, the custom was you give the good wine at the beginning and then when people's palates were less discriminating, you throw in the cheap stuff. And he was blown away. You've, you've saved the best until last. But can I tell you something, dear church? With Jesus in control of your life, the best is always yet to come. Now, I'm not saying that you'll never get sick or that you'll never have marital problems or that you'll never have financial needs, but I am saying this, as you walk day by day and week by week and year by year with Jesus, no matter what happens, you are going to know the joy and the strength of Jesus and that joy and strength will never fail. His joy and strength will never run out. It only gets better and better. Because every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. There are times when we wonder, does it get any better than this? Have you ever said that to yourself? Man, does it get any better than this? Well, one day we're going to arrive in heaven. And just like the master of ceremonies, we're going to say, Wow, you've saved the best to last. <laughs> Man. Now there's one more thing we must do to clear the way for what Jesus wants to do in our situation. Number four is, we need to understand his purpose. And church, really, this is probably the most important part. The hero of this story is not Mary. It's not the groom's family. It's not even the servants. No, the hero of this story is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ did what he did, not only to save this family from an embarrassing situation, and not just to make a party a little more enjoyable, but according to verse 11, Jesus did what he did for two very important reasons. And the first reason is this. He did it to glorify himself. Look at verse 11b. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory. What a great verse. 
Remember, what Jesus does is called a miraculous sign. The sign itself is not important. We're going to be looking at several signs or miracles that Jesus performed. What makes the sign important is that the sign is pointing to something. And in our particular story today, this sign is pointing to a someone who is greater than anyone else. This sign is pointing to our glorious Savior. And if you don't get anything else out of our sermon today, you need to walk out of this place awed by the glory and power of our great God. He is the only one who can take a mess and turn it into a miracle. He can take your problems and do something great. He is the God-man who has supernatural powers to alter things in the natural realm. And if he can do that with some jars of water, miraculously turn them into wine, just think what he can do for your life today. Wow. But there's another purpose in all that Jesus does with us. And the second thing is that he does it to fortify our faith. Verse 11b says, He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. Now we know that these disciples were pretty new to following Jesus Christ. But going through this situation and watching Jesus perform this miracle and display his power pushed them to the next level of faith. It pushed them to trusting Jesus more. And God is working in every situation we go through. He's working in every situation you go through, whether it's good or whether it's bad. He's doing that for the purpose of pushing us towards trusting Him more. He is pushing us to that next level of faith. But here's our problem. Sometimes we get stuck. And all of a sudden the problem becomes bigger to us than the problem solver. And maybe that's where you are today. You're just, you're just stuck on a certain level. You're, you're stuck in your problem. You're stuck with your mess. Maybe you're stuck on this first level of admitting the problem. Is that where you're stuck? Admitting the fact that, you know what, I've got a problem? Admitting the fact my family has a problem? We all do. And if you don't have one now, hang on, brother. It's just around the corner. Maybe you're stuck right there. You just can't admit the problem. Or maybe you're stuck on following Jesus' plans. Here, let me tell you this again. Things won't change till he's in charge. Things are not going to get better until you start doing what he tells you to do. Or maybe you're stuck at receiving the provision of Jesus. You think, well, I just don't deserve it. Therefore, I'm not going to take it. None of us deserve it. None of us deserve His grace, His love, His mercy, or His forgiveness. But you know what? He offers it to us for a, as a gift. And all we have to do is receive it. Maybe you're stuck at understanding His purpose. The, the things you go through in life are never going to make sense. Until you see them through God's perspective. Again, he may be using that problem in your life as a platform to bring glory to himself or someone else closer to him. So where are you today, man? What in your life needs changing? 
What miracle from the Lord do you need today? He performed them in the Bible, but let me tell you, he's still doing them today. And he'll perform a miracle for you if you come to him and ask him. Heavenly Father, I pray that my friends would do that today. I pray, dear Lord, for those who need to be saved, the greatest miracle of all. May they come and allow you to change them from the inside out. Lord, for the rest of us who just need to come and admit the problem or follow your plan or receive your provision or understand your purpose, may we do that during our prayer time today. Lord, as we open up our altars and invite people to come and pray, I, I ask, dear Lord, that they would take it seriously, that they would understand they are in the presence of an almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God. And if they want things in their life to change, they're going to have to put you in charge. So help us to respond by faith today. For others who just need to come and pray and give you thanks or ask for your help, may they have the courage to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed.